Hey friends, before we dive into the episode, I've got something for healthcare professionals. Healthcare professionals, if you're locuming or going to locum, navigating it through multiple agents and agencies can be stressful. Back and forth emails and timesheets aren't needed in this era. What if there was an app where you could see the shift, the total pay, the hours and request to book it there and then? Well, there is. Locum's Nest connects healthcare professionals digitally to the NHS staff bank. The app connects already over 50,000 healthcare professionals to vacant work in over 50 NHS trusts and growing. Check it out yourself. That's Locum Nest. Let's get back to the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Scrub Them podcast. I hope you all been keeping well. This week we have with us another amazing guest. We have with us Jess, who's a London-based medical student currently intercalating in the prestigious Cambridge University. Um, it's a massive pleasure having you on board. A lot of you may already know her with her website, Progressive Jess, or Instagram, where she's quite honest, frank, super engaged with her community sharing her honest journey through med school um massive pleasure having you on the show jess how welcome are you welcome to the show oh thank you so much i'm so honored to be here thank you <laughs> now it's it's a privilege and i was telling amazon we were talking about this before we hit record is as a medical student you guys are doing such incredible work like super clued up about life you know considering me and amazon in med school at king's we were like gunning for top center trying to get this <laughs> surgical portfolio having you know decided to leave training at the end of it all but you know you've done incredible things up until now managed to get into cambridge university published ebooks growed an amazing following online but it wasn't always like this you had to overcome some of your own personal obstacles and barriers mm-hmm. so if you don't mind just do you want to take us all the way back to the very beginning of this journey and kind of bring us to present day yeah, sure. Um, so I actually didn't get into medical school the first time around, which I think always shocks people a little bit. Um, I was in sixth form. And I think when you've done quite well at GCSE, you've chosen all the sciences and maths. Um, the teachers are pushing for you to do medicine, do do engineering, do something very STEM. And for me, I always wanted to do something STEM. Um, a lot of medics go into medicine because we obviously love science. We love I mean if you didn't if you weren't engaged in your science lessons you probably find medicine quite hard um but I do think apart from that kind of cliche love of science I did see how medicine impacted people um it impacted my parents so like for example I'm born from IVF and so are my siblings so if it wasn't actually for medicine my parents wouldn't have the quality of life that they do now and it's not necessarily in the sense that they were sick and someone cured them. It's you, you can actually impact people's lives in lots of different ways with medicine. So I thought for me, yes, there were pressures to do it anyway, but I wanted to, and actually my mum's um, a community nurse and she was kind of like, she'd come back and tell me all these stories and I'd be the only one out of my siblings who were actually interested. So I knew that healthcare was definitely going to be my sort of thing. Um, and I applied to medicine and to be honest, I, when I first applied I was very naive so I thought if you've got the grades you've got it all and you'll be fine and I think especially because I came from a state school with no one who'd actually gone to medicine before and had actually advised the students I was going off of what teachers were saying which was get all A stars and A's and just do the medical admissions exam whenever you can I had to go and find that information myself and didn't do well and then the one interview that I, the two interviews that I did get from UCL and Keele, 
didn't do very well so I'd already kind of squandered my chances of getting into med school I wasn't very strategic I wasn't very prepared I hadn't reflected on why I wanted to do medicine um and the experiences that I'd had so I'd had work experience at a hospice or hospital and stuff so I was like you know what I'm gonna take a gap here and I'm gonna try again because for me falling back on my other option wasn't an option um I felt like if I didn't even know if I wanted to do medicine what are the chances that I really know I wanted to do biomed for example so when I took a gap year, I was like, I'm going to rehaul the whole thing and actually think about every single option I chose. And I went to visit the unis. Um, I looked at what kind of courses they did. I started working as a healthcare assistant, which I talk a lot about online and stuff like that. So I, I knew what it was like to work in the NHS. I went abroad to the Dominican Republic and saw what it was like to work, to, to be a medic there. And, and then all of that came together mm. in my interviews. And I definitely knew from then it's hard but this is something I could see myself yeah. doing every day. No, definitely. Jess, um, a, an important question I want to ask you. So when you got your first uh, rejection, right, what was your initial emotional reaction to it? Because I assume when it hit, at first you must have expected to be accepted, right? Because you got the grades, mm. you got everything that your teachers said mm. you needed and yeah, a rejection came through the post. What was your initial re- reaction? So I've been quite, I'm, I'm quite a pragmatic person and I was definitely a student room obsessor. So when I, <laughs> so when I got my UCAT, when I got my BMAP student room, what did other people get? What was the average? What was like, let me look at the predicted scores. And I already knew I'd done quite badly in the admissions tests. And um, I was expecting at least one rejection. So I think my first one was Oxford and I was kind of like, you know, come on Oxford. So actually at 18, I didn't take it that badly. I was like, yeah, Oxford, mm. like, come on. Very good. Um, <laughs> so, so you didn't set your house on fire then, <laughs> <No>. okay, fine. <laughs> and then kind of the dominoes start going down, you know, it's, it's then your sec- your, the one that you really wanted, like Imperial, and then, it's, and then it's the one you got an interview for. And I think when I got to the interviews and didn't get in, that's when I really um, felt it. I, I actually didn't cry. I didn't kind of throw a tantrum, but I was kind of disappointed. And I felt like I had one chance and I screwed it up. And a gap year to me was so foreign, you know, who you only take a gap year if you failed at everything you don't know what you want to do you failed your a levels kind of thing so um convincing my parents to take a gap year and that's convincing them that I'm actually going to plan something I'm actually going to do something was on my mind but um I I really did try and bounce back and be like you know what this isn't personal it's just that other people were better than me in that cohort and that's okay Mm. and I'm going to try again Mm. um so yeah yeah amazing amazing did you have any mentors and did you reach out for any advice to anyone at all or was it a sort of thing that you just thought you know what I'm going to follow my gut and you know what I'm going to give it another shot what what how did you approach re- sort of reapplying so I decided so I remember I when I was in year 12 13 I'd gone to a lot of the med school conferences the WP stuff you know my school was quite good in that way and I always tried to apply for stuff get opportunities and I'd already heard of medics who've taken gap years so I was like it's possible like you can reapply and get in so that was like the seed where I know it's possible I just need to do it myself so the decision to reapply and take a gap year was mine and after that, I decided to go and seek out advice. So that's why I'm very, very visible on social media because it was social media and emails and WP stuff where students would be like, oh, you can always message me on here or you could like email me here. Um, that actually gave me an insight into, okay, this is kind of when I need to start 
doing my personal statement they're they're looking over it for me um these are the kind of interview courses I should be signing up to these are free these are not and this is how you navigate it and if it wasn't for those students I don't think I would have been as confident as trying again so that's why I try and like yeah I'll read your personal statement yeah if somebody's really showing that they've done the work and they really want this then I'm I'm happy to assist definitely wicked do you feel kind of that experience is a seed or planted a seed as to how your social media presence is now kind of widening participation helping people being very honest being truthful in the realities of being a medic Mm -hmm. kind of your struggles um tell us a bit more about this instagram kind of how you came about it and how obviously it's grown to you know thousands of followers but i'm sure at one point in time it wasn't that big right so tell us about that little journey you've had so far yeah so I've been on Instagram for a while now and I honestly just used it as a place to, for me, it's like an album. So these are like some of the best bits. Um, And I think I properly started my Instagram was when I took my gap year and I had a few people who were engaged. So there's people who've been following for a while where I was taking this gap year and I'd done, I'd gone to Dominican, which was all looking great. I was on, it was something different. And I think people were like, you're also HCA, like what's this HCA thing? Um, So I was already giving advice that way. And then, over time, you know, I started Kings and I started sharing a bit more about um, just what I was doing at Kings, the conferences that I was attending, what first year was like, what second year was like, and COVID hit. And that's when everyone was on social media and everyone was doing WP and everyone was sharing advice. So I was like, you know what, with all the questions I've been asked over the years, how about I just have a place where it's all there in one place and COVID gave people time and I clearly had time to start a website <laughs> to start to start a whole website so I was like you know what I'm going to start a website and I'm going to write all the answers that I've been writing these past few years but I'm going to put them in blog posts I'm going to put them in a format that would have been helpful for me when I applied I love a good YouTube and you know that's great but for me I didn't really want to be filming loads of videos so I just decided you know a blog post you can come to it anytime it's there in writing the links are clickable there's no excuse um and that's when you know people started that more traction started coming on my page and then I kind of moved a little bit away from WP because I feel like there's a lot of resources out there that are great for students anyway and I think my role was more of a signposter not a creator of resources for that I moved towards current medics so I've always wanted to travel um, and I think my experience in the Dominican Republic gave me an insight into global medicine and actually a lot of what other countries do you can bring back to your own country or you can just do stints in other countries and just see what it's like see how it enriches your life and yourself so I started talking about relocating and I did Instagram lives and then I think that's when the real traction and I, I, I drew in a new community of medics who were a bit more like you know what what if I want my medicine career to look a little bit different than the norm? Yeah. Mm. So that's what I love about you is, so we kind of graduated from med school a few years ago and it was kind of get through med school, smash your exams, rush to be a consultant. Mm -hmm. We wanted to both be surgeons. And then things have obviously changed. And a lot of people are thinking it, but not openly sharing about, you know, the anxieties they're worried about medicine, how life is going to be as a junior doctor, right? Mm. Whereas you, you are openly kind of having these discussions these debates kind of looking into the role of relocating hence the ebook uh, tell us a bit more about 
before we talk about the EBIT, what your thoughts are having seen the way things are on social media from existing junior doctors about what you think it's going to be like for you when you do mm. graduate? Great question. Um, social media can be hard, especially when you go on things like Twitter, uh, where, you know, it's the algorithm is designed to look at extremes. So extremely good or extremely bad are going to circulate more because they gain more human reaction. So I do take what I see with a pinch of salt, but I am very, very, like I said, quite pragmatic as with all the good that is bad. And I do think the UK is in a crisis. We have a big problem and it's a problem that hasn't changed because I've also worked in the NHS myself for five years, maybe not full time, but I was a HCA full time for a year and I've been part time ever since. Everywhere you go is pretty much the same. Everyone is pretty much in the same state of mind. Um, and that to me is not coincidence because I've seen the pattern enough to know that it's it's a problem. Um, people are overworked. Uh, there's not enough staff, poor training, not enough opportunity. And I just feel like as a human being, you shouldn't be trapped in anything you don't want to do because realistically, you're not going to be content. And for me, my my happiness and, and being content is, is non-negotiable. Like, I, I love medicine and, and the thing that I try to show on social media is that I'm not leaving medicine. I love medicine. I love science. I do think you should get published. I do think you should try and be the best in your career. I mean, why not? But I don't think you need to do it at the expense of this is my one option. And I'm a big believer of I've spent this much time in something. I should just continue. <laughs> no, like once something stops serving you, change direction and it's okay. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And it reminds me of what me and Am talked about last time passions do change mm. as you grow and evolve just because you wanted to be a cardiothoracic surgeon at the age of seven doesn't mean you stick to it because that's your so-called passion and you haven't mm. allowed yourself to grow and develop right so we shouldn't be too attached to our passions and missions um the second thing i was going to ask is when you're kind of discussing this stuff online with social media do you get any sort of kickback you know from people saying, you know, you're, you're forsaking the profession, mm. you know, how can you have this type of engagement? Because I know there are a lot of people getting kickbacks. Mm. Have you experienced that at all? Do you know what? I, I honestly thought I would experience it more than I have. So I thought I would get a barrage of like people really, really coming for me. But um, I have a lot of academics and doctors and um, even my own supervisor at Cambridge on Twitter. They know I've written this ebook. Um, I have clinicians at King's who've taught me who know that I've written this ebook and they've I they they've been quite supportive and I think it's it's one of those things where there are people who are definitely a bit more like you know what get over yourself we've all suffered now you guys need to know what it's like and it's just like why well, don't subscribe I don't subscribe to that because times are changing and honestly to be quite honest with you I don't have time to suffer <laughs> you know I I don't I and I simply don't want to and there's, and there's options out there that are less painful, and I'm going to take those options. I mean, that's you know the path of least the path of least resistance. I don't have like why would I want to go through stress? And I think the more we keep kicking ice under the fridge and just you know I struggled so you must too. That's why the NHS doesn't progress. It's one of the most rigid systems I've ever known. So amazing, and you know we're oh you can't say anything bad about it. No, it is amazing but it's got serious flaws. And my issue with the UK is that the, the health system is politics, it's political. And that is hard to change as a doctor. That's hard to change as a workforce of doctors. You need real top-down change. And 
you've got to kind of ask yourself, are you willing to campaign and do all that work? Or should you just pivot and try new things and try and complement that, like do things that complement your medical career, which is the path that I'm hoping to take. Absolutely. So Jess, so clearly you're someone who's had a thought all about this and you're pretty strong and you understand yourself, your values uh, very well. Now, amongst your peers now, your cohort, other medical students, right? Um, again, it's very foreign, right? Medicine's all we've known since 16. You've done your A-levels. It's a, it's a nice runway where you can see exactly where you're going. What's, the, what's their morale like when, they've, when they're seeing all of this on Twitter, when they're seeing all of this on the news, overworked, mm. underpaid, rotor gaps, all of these buzzwords that are thrown around. What's their morale like? What, what have you seen or what conversations have you overheard? I'm in such a predicament because as the climate changes and doctors become more vocal about their working conditions, ebook sales <laughs> go up. And um, and I, I've had conversations with a lot of people and a big part of Testimonial Thursdays to actually understand what is making people decide to take this leap. Because, you know, okay, buying an ebook is like a first step. It's kind of like promising to yourself that, I'm really considering this and I want to find out more. So what's, what is happening in the climate at the moment to make people do that? And you'll be surprised so many medics or have been feeling this or were just absolutely unaware of the situation when they applied because it's this noble career. Your parents are saying, doctor, doctor, everybody's respecting you. But actually that respect is not translated into what you deal with in the hospital, what you're paid you know your parents are telling you you're going to be a doctor it's this noble career there's all this prestige surrounding it which is which is great but then that actually doesn't translate into reality and the difficulties of working with the public and in the public healthcare system and actually you know you're not really getting compensated very well and all this sort of stuff so um I think especially on my blog because I've spoken about these are the exams you have to take even once you've become a doctor you know they cost this much you have to join this royal college and you have to pass these these hurdles and then there's also a training bottleneck and I think a lot more medics are learning earlier on that the final destination doesn't just stop at being a doctor you may need to consider other things because unfortunately in the UK it, it does seem like being a doctor is not enough especially for some people in the life that they want um it's going to be hard on a doctor's salary with a doctor's hours so um, I think that's a really, really interesting insight that I've learned from medics and a lot more medics are considering relocating and, and seeing the world and taking breaks and all of this sort of career pivot stuff. No, definitely agree with you. And I think what's amazing is social media has helped having doctors out there sharing their day-to-day, -day, sharing the anxieties and frustrations they feel is also good. And it's important as medical students, you have a bit of insight into the profession, into the career you're going to embark on. And just remembering and touching on what you said earlier is as medics, we need to learn that contentment doesn't need to derive from this one thing. A hundred percent contentment from one thing, being a doctor, being the best surgeon is very unhealthy. In fact, it's better to be content from multiple different things, you know, friends, family, mm. going out, holidays, being a medic as to, you know, subscribing or gunning for a hundred percent contentment in this surgical career saying, you know what, I'm going to be unhappy for 10, 15 years. And then once I'm a consultant, I'm going to be happy forever. I think that is such a toxic mentality to be in. I don't know what your thoughts are on kind of regards to that as well. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I think it can be really, I, it can be really limiting to think about medicine as your be all and end all. And I think what a lot of 
people who get into medicine fall into the trap of is that you've done well in school and medicine has been your identity you know getting into medical school doing well in medical school getting top centiles doing all the things that you need to do that you actually kind of leave medicine and you're like I have no hobbies I don't know what who I am aside from medicine and I haven't even tried to to understand who that person is and I think it's nice to see that we're now getting a lot less fearful of starting a YouTube, starting a podcast, getting into business, deciding to do consulting or leaving medicine entirely. And I like the fact that people share those aspects online because otherwise, how else would we see them? You know, I like that globalization and, and of social media because I can see what someone in the US is doing. And I can also see what my name, what like someone in my medical school's got a 700K subscribers on YouTube. You know, look at, look at all the different things you can do with medicine. Exactly. I think it's really important, especially given that this year there's 800 medical students on a reserve list, right? After so many years of studying hard graft and you're suddenly left with no job. Um, I still am wait- waiting to see what the update is and whether they've been allocated yet. I think but they have. It's I just such a hard... Yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah, amazing. Really. That's That's amazing to hear. Yeah. Um, but just to be in that position at a point in time after all of that investment of effort um, and everything is just horrible. And I think um, having that discussion about the other things you can do is important to keep, I guess, ourselves also in check that, look, medical school also prepares you to be able to go anywhere you like. Because let's be honest, the skills you get from mm-hmm. medical school also, you can take anywhere. Would you agree? What's your thoughts on that? 100%. I say to people all the time, medicine is a passport career. It's not a career that, okay, you've learned medicine, so that only applies to the UK. You know, oh, you know, you, you've done medicine, so you have to be a doctor. There are medics who go into banking. There are medics who use their skills to go into data analysis. Um, there's medics who use their medical background to help them become a therapist or a teacher, you know. And I just think it's, uh, for me, I'll never regret studying medicine and, and the variety it's given me because that was one of the main reasons I decided to do it. The diversity of the career, the different stuff you're going to learn and the fact that you learn things that actually change lives. Like if you have a child who's sick, you know what to do. You know, if you are in a situation that's an emergency, you have the skills to deal with that emergency. But um, yeah, I, I, I wish people were, well, it's nice to see that they are being a bit more open-minded but I do think the older um generation they they can't they can't cope with it all they're like no we're we're not focused enough on medicine we don't want it enough we're all over the place we're all on social media we're all influencers and it's like there's a lot more to life and we're so lucky because there's there's money to be made and opportunities to be taken advantage of you know no definitely and that brings me on to the next question and clearly me and Ams were massive advocates for side hustles passive income it's one of the reasons why we set up peer to allow medics to earn a passive income each month tell me about the side hustle the ebooks from a business point of view kind of before back in the days it was shunned you know i don't know if you heard the story of touch surgery who kind of exited there were surgical trainees at the time and the consultant said you either stick to being a surgeon and start getting your hours in or you leave the profession and work on this new business Mm. right so i get what you're talking about tell us about the side hustle culture you know, business, having passive sources of income as a medical student, as a junior doctor, because I know you're a massive advocate for it as well. Yeah, 100%. For me, what I love about passive income is that passive aspect. You don't need to be there. Um, You do the work in the first instance. And after that, you just let it be. And you, I mean, you know, 
I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that marketing doesn't go into it and you know changing it updating it and all this stuff depending on what what you've got but digital products is is one of the most I would say maybe easiest things to start you don't need to be a business graduate you don't need to have a degree in marketing um, you need a good idea you need an engaged audience you need their feedback and their input and you need to actually have the drive to create a product and I think when I kind of looked at it and I realized I had all those ingredients I just came up with a recipe and I just created um this guide but the thing is I had a community around it already which kind of sparked the idea in me anyway so you know the relocating Instagram lives went so well and I got so much so much feedback on in so many messages that I was like you know what I, I do need to make this into a an ex an easier to read an accessible product that I could also possibly make money from and I already had a website set up that wasn't making money at the time you know it was just a free blog I was paying to run it um I did all the logos myself like I, I just designed it on Wix and I was like you know what if there's if, if I really want to make this something and I want to make this self-sustainable why not create a product sell it and use that money to go back into the website and go back into other things like being a medic and actually being able to go to Cambridge and do these things. So um, I did that and I like to, and, and the good thing about having a platform like Instagram or, or even Twitter or anywhere where people are invested in your journey is that things happen and people want to know how it happened. So obviously the next book was about funding because I managed to get funding um, and people were really, really interested about that. So I kind of just hone in on niches where oh, I've got a few questions about this or it seems like an audience is interested in this and I ask them what they want and then I try and deliver that so I think that is what I would say about digital products but side hustles in general don't sleep on them especially if they're passive because I think you know love it why not why not never say no to yeah you <laughs> definitely like me and arms so so the difference between kind of me and Am's when, and when I see you guys like you inspire me and kind of I admire we never knew about this world at all we never knew about stocks and shares we never knew about investment we never even heard the term passive income right but then again similar it may be to you is our background before was like earning 30 40 grand having mm -hmm. seen what our parents earned was like you've made it in life you're yes. winning you know you don't need to live in a you know you don't need to get a subsidized housing rent and benefits and whatever right and when you kind of go into the world of medicine and your eyes open up, open up and like you said, you want to enjoy life. You want to have that work-life yeah. balance. You want to do the finer things in life. Then things change. And sometimes I wouldn't say it's too late. You're so kind of in this railway track where like you're, you're caught up in your studying and your medicine. You haven't explored things while at medical school when you had a lot of time. You get a bit stuck and you get resentful and you see other people doing well and you start to hate. And I'll be honest, there is a massive hate culture in medicine. Mm -hmm. Well, like, yep. I remember you had a post where someone was saying, you know, you're, you're pricing your books and, you know, why don't you give a discount? Mm. Tell us a bit about that. Tell us, you know, it's all well and good and you have this amazing looking ebook, but tell us the graph that goes behind this stuff. Like, yes, it, it doesn't happen overnight, right? So just for the listeners, I'm sure some of them will be listening, thinking, you know what, Jess, she's out here, you know, bumping us off, you know, mm. do you mind telling them like there is a lot of effort and hard work that goes into creating something of a good standard? Absolutely. So obviously it isn't just sitting in front of your laptop with a word document open writing rubbish um to to do the ebooks um it takes like i had contributors for example for the relocating guide because you know i haven't relocated which obviously people are are well in within their rights to bring up um 
and I got contributors for that and I had to pay a designer for the front cover you know I don't do graphic design of ebooks I have an amazing graphic designer who actually created it for me um the marketing you know it takes hours to market something to figure out what I want in the books to create the posts that go around the books to you you pay you can pay for Instagram ads Facebook ads um the testimonial Thursdays you know that's an hour every week that I'm you know I'm not paying them they're not paying me and obviously I run the website so to start a website for free you have to pay every payment that comes in a small amount gets deducted and all of this gets calculated and factored in and obviously writing the book you know it took me six months along with medical school um yeah alongside medical school it was a slow burner it's not like I did five hours a day I was doing maybe like you know four hours a week but I didn't pay myself a wage um and if I equated it I wouldn't even be paying myself minimum minimum wage so it it's it's, I think those things people don't realise and the fact that, you know, I'm selling a PDF that can be shared amongst 10 people for all I know, you know, it's one copy. Um, I don't have, I don't have those sorts of things in place. I'm just a, a girl with a website <laughs> and you pay and you get a copy. And um, one thing, so I haven't got that much um, hate around, you know, the fact that I'm selling information because this is not information that is, that you need to have, but it would be good to have. Um, uh, and I think the testimonial Thursdays helped a lot because I think the biggest way to launch a product and get people invested in it and get sales is to have other people big it up for you. I mean, every comment I get, every every DM I get, anyone who's let says yes to the, the Instagram live, like I share that with everyone else. Like it's not me saying my book's amazing because you're always going to overvalue something that you create in a small, small way. But hearing other people say it, it gives people confidence. And every single testimonial Thursday I've done, I've got a sale. Every single one. No, amazing. Definitely. And it and it goes to show that people are thinking about relocating mm-hmm. and you've gone through the effort and graft of putting it all together. And you're probably actually helping a lot of people. Like the return on investment, I don't want to get too technical, mm-hmm. on buying this book may be many, many folds over. Like yeah. it might be the best thing someone's done. Mm. So, um, no, it's incredible. The fact while being a medical student, you've had the foresight and the pragmatism to kind of do this, do the testimonial Thursdays. Mm-hmm. Jess, so a question on uh, content creation now. Mm-hmm. So content creation is incredibly difficult. It looks easy to the eye yeah. of people who don't create content because it's like, oh, you've you, if you're writing, it's just a Word document. If you're recording, it's just sitting in front of a camera. If you're podcasting, it's sitting in front of a mic. Um You've obviously gone into all of these things. You don't have, uh, I assume you don't have a business degree, a marketing degree, no. <laughs> uh, an MBA and all sorts. But you've you've sort of gone straight in. You've managed to create. Tell us all the things that you've learned, the skills that you've acquired through creating. Um, and for the people who are listening, if they're thinking about creating, should they create? Oh, this is crazy because I have so many lessons that I can't even... I, I I would need to to really write them all down but one thing I did it, everything you've said you know content creation is not easy coming up with ideas in themselves like I think you know I my iPhone notes are just so absolutely <laughs> disorganized I only show the notion the notion is all pretty but the iPhone notes are a mess but I think yeah literally um I think the best way to to think that just to create content is first of all start by sharing 
who you are. I think that is the most interesting thing you can do online. You know, people who may look like you or have the same personality as you or are interested in the same things as you will find you and be attracted to you and your page and your story. So I think start there, share your story, share what you're doing. After a while, people will tell you what they want. Believe me, if there's one thing about social media I've learned, people will tell you opinions that you've not asked for. So <laughs> they'll be like, can you do this? Can you look up this? Can you share this? Um, and questions, like really do a little bit of an audit of what kind of questions do you constantly get asked? What do your social media pages say about you? What does your LinkedIn say about you? And create things that help that niche or if you want to rebrand, change what you want to go into. Um, and I just think be unique and and focus on value of some sort. Even if it's like, oh, it's a picture of me on holiday. Well, the value here is that I'm trying to show that I'm having a good work-life balance, but I also look good. So, <laughs> you know, or if 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 I'm if I'm sharing an ebook, you know, the value is what's in the ebook. If I'm sharing, oh, why does this what does an academic career in medicine look like? The value is if you are interested in an academic career like I was, this is this is what I've learned about it and this is what I'm sharing with you guys. So I think as long as you're bringing value, as long as it's engaging and relevant, um, you'll see that people will be attracted to it. And it's not all about followers. It's better to be highly have a highly engaged, smaller audience than have thousands and thousands of followers who couldn't give a damn what you're saying, to be honest. They're just there for viewing. <laughs> you know, they don't oh, engage. So, so I think that's important. We no, I definitely agree. And that kind of brings me on to the next point. Personal branding, putting yourself out there mm. on social media. Back when we were at university, it wasn't a big thing. There were barely any doctors on LinkedIn, okay. right? Mm. Unless you kind of left the profession and started your own startup. Even the startup is a new thing that's been more exactly. recently amongst medics. So tell us about this. We'll talk about the startup side a bit later, but tell us about the importance of personal branding. I'm going to be an advocate and I say everyone should have a LinkedIn presence. They should have some sort mm. of social media presence. I think the future, your CV is your, yes. the tweets and the comments you make online, your your Instagram profile. But we're doctors and they probably think we're a bit too old and old school and they probably won't believe us, but you're an existing medical student, Jess. Mm. Tell us about the importance of having a brand, a personal online presence. Uh, honestly... I think it's like you said I think it's so important I think at some point you even if you are quite technophobic you don't want to be on socials whatever it gives you a platform for your voice and who you are and actually dangerously it can be as well it makes people listen to you you know if you if you build a brand and you build a following you have influence and people do what you recommend. They do what you do. They want to be like you or, or, or they want to learn from you. And I think that is so um, such a privilege when you can leverage that and actually help a lot of people. I mean, I'm not going to get into the, the this whole Ali Abdal sort of <laughs> mentality, but that, that like he brought up a very, very relevant argument where he was helping more people via YouTube than he was as a doctor. And that is completely fair enough and actually very true. And I think even if it's a personal website, I mean, share you, you could be sharing your published work. You could be sharing your journey into medicine. You could be offering personal statement reviews. I I just think having a uh, an internet presence and also I have a blog post on this as well. It's It increases your surface area for opportunities to find you. If I am on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, 
I'm there's three huge platforms of completely different people that will send opportunities my way and actually a lot of what I've done is because of them I didn't go to I didn't get into Cambridge on a whim I looked at people who had done an info in Cambridge reached out to them chatted to them about it and was like this is for me don't reinvent the wheel don't struggle on your own having an internet presence makes like you can get opportunities you can get inside information you can find all these new career pivots that you might be interested in and niches you might be interested in by literally reaching out to someone on Twitter or LinkedIn or Instagram and I think people greatly underestimate it but are starting to kind of catch on now no definitely we couldn't agree with you more and I agree the amount of opportunities you get for pushing yourself out there is by far Mm. a lot more than kind of trying to send cold emails and kind of trying to hustle your way through Um, and that kind of brings me on to the next point which you mentioned is you go into King's studying medicine and then you now decide to kind of take a year out and go to Cambridge. Tell us about that experience. Mm-hmm. How different is it? Obviously, it's a very prestigious university in the world. Um, tell us about the experience, you know, why you're studying the MPhil you're doing. Mm. Um, so at least people can be inspired and kind of be like, you know what, it's quite cool what she's doing. It's what it's like to be a Cambridge student. <laughs> um Oh gosh, so deciding to intercalate in itself was quite difficult. So for anyone who doesn't know what an intercalation is, you it's the optional degree you can get whilst you're in medical school. Another reason why medicine is also a great degree to study. Um, and I was really on t- in two minds. I was like, if I'm going to take a year out, why not do a postgraduate degree? And why not do it at, a, at one of the best institutions? You know, why not go for the double whammy? And I wanted to do that or I wanted to do nothing. So I was like to myself, okay, I'm going to apply for Cambridge because the courses seemed a bit more interesting a bit more down my 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 street and I'm going to apply to one course and I I you know to apply for the masters that I'm doing it's research masters you have to look at the research the research supervisors and I was going I was going and there were two that I liked one was on um pediatric diabetes so like diabetes in newborns and one was on mental health of children and young people during covid i emailed both of them and i emailed tens of others okay and i i heard nothing i heard nothing i got and the only two who replied were those two the ones that i i was really wanted but i wanted the others as well equally but those were the two that responded and i remember having an interview well you have like a zoom call a very chill zoom call with one and she just never responded to me ever after like she just completely ghosted I was like right lesson learned no no message is a message um and then the second um supervisor is my current supervisor now replied and obviously I had this chat with her obviously part of me was like oh my gosh she might not like me she might be happy it might happen again and the reason I was really really um inspired by her um research project was because I obviously was um, growing on social media during COVID and I, the stories that young people were telling me, and this is the kind of downside of social media as well, you are kind of bombarded with, you know, please essentially like help me, this is what's happening in my school. And I saw firsthand how mental health of, how the mental health of children and young people was really affected during COVID. I had my own sister, she, um finished her a levels and it was uh and covid happened and she got given her teacher grades and she lost her offer her offers from physics at you know imperial ucl because she needed an a star and he didn't give it to her um 
she then had to take a gap year and do those exams all on her own, pay for them. Um, we don't have money like that. And it was stressful. You know, you're going through this on your own. All of your friends are at uni. They're not even having the uni experience that you envision. And you feel hopeless. And I was just like, no, we need to look at how bad this is and how it will affect them going forward, right? Um, and I think when I had that conversation with my supervisor, I mean, she's lovely. She also was a medic at King's, which was quite funny. Um, <laughs> I was like, yeah, she's the one for me. Like, this is the project that I need to do. And when I got in, I was like, yay, but the bill, what? (laughs) (laughs) So I was thinking, yeah, postgrad at a a great institution was a great plan, but Mm. I didn't consider the money. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's a big hefty check, you know. (laughs) Exactly. And that's when the scrambling starts. So, you know, I'm not, I'm going to be absolutely honest. And e-books on sales are definitely not going to fund a £20,000 master's. You know, we're not at that stage yet. Mm. Fingers crossed one day. (laughs) But um, I was thinking, no, I've got to, I've got to find this money somehow. I've got to go. And it was going to be a matter of, I'm going to have to defer or not do it. Or I'm going to have to get NHS bursary and Mm. some sort of scholarship to to fund the rest because there's no other choice. So obviously that, again, Mm. a lot of emails, a lot of applications, um, a lot of pleading and kind of just like proving that I need money to do this. Um, And luckily, you know, after waiting months, when I'd already started Cambridge and my bill was sitting in my emails, I got (laughs) three three responses in one week. And that was just like one of the most overwhelming weeks of my life. I was so Mm. happy, but also so overwhelmed, like- Relieved. Yeah. No, definitely. Amazing. The beauty of it all is, not did you keep it to yourself and just hustled your way through and do you know what? You went on and then thought, do you know what? This will benefit other people. Let me share it. And that's what we like to see. And that's one of the reasons why we bring on guests on this podcast. It's not a dog-eat-dog mentality. We can all be on the come-up together and help each other. You could have easily not told anyone about this and how to fund your studies and kept the information to yourself, right? Mm. And I bet you any money, there are people that do it. And I'm sure we probably know people that are, Mm. you know, there's always those medics at med school that are kind of curious about to see who's first center, who's got what grades, creating their own little Excel spreadsheet, (laughs) keeping track of everyone. We had it while we were at med school, right? And some guys, obviously Am's, you know, he he used to be a first center student and I used to be at the bottom (laughs) barrel, right? So we knew those guys. But um, no, like it's incredible the fact that you you went on to go and share it. Mm. Um, You You know what it is though? What you'll find is that you're in a very small bubble at university. Once you've come out of it you realize hold on doing all of that was just it was limiting yourself so when you're not diversifying yourself when you're not going out there to explore the world what happens is when you are in that world you just you're 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 a a small fish in a big ocean again and you're just lost yes um so i think it's very narrow-minded to think it's a very doggy dog world because the guy sitting at the top of everything I've never met a consultant. Actually, all the consultants I've met have been chilled back. They were like to me, chill out in your uh, med school years, take it easy, enjoy the ride. No one ever said to me, put your head down, get it into a book and just keep yeah, publishing. Yeah, yeah, no one's ever yeah, said that. Yeah. Exactly, um, exactly. And I think we really need to listen to that, because that, that's hindsight talking. That is them being like, enjoy, enjoy it, go explore, take risks, make mistakes. It's okay. And I think as a person who you know, a lot of us who go into medicine, we were getting all the grades, we were doing all the right things, we did the N- NCS, we did the Duke of Edinburgh, we we ticked and ticked and ticked. And we get so paralyzed about 
going outside of the norm, you know, taking a risk, making a mistake, failing. And I think that's why once I got rejected from med school, I said, Jess, you're not infallible. Like you, you are infallible, sorry. Like you are going to fail and you are going to make mistakes. And I think I'm so happy that happened at 18 to 19 because ever since I've never taken a rejection personally and I've never actually taken no for an answer. I'm bloody persistent. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely. No, you are. It. And you, you know what? That's why I also love the, the the whole content creation infection has also gone towards the consultants because we're seeing yeah. more and more consultants now on YouTube <laughs> and on, on Twitter and on. I know exactly, crazy. and it just shows you that what they're saying is it's 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 genuine advice when they say enjoy your life, enjoy your journey to become, if you're going to become a consultant in any specialty, just enjoy it the way there because they're having a lot of fun. So Rohan, uh, Med Crisis, we've got Imran Lasko, who's the mm-hmm. um, podcaster. So many consultants are now entering this world and it's it. I love it. I love seeing that. So yeah, wicked. Exactly. And kind of like what we said about how medicine is so diverse, it is a very interesting mm. career for people. I mean, they hear that you're a doctor and there is a level of trust and respect that people have for you. Mm. And that already exactly. attracts a very, um, you, you already get interest on your socials because you're, it, it's different, right? I mean, mm. how many people know know their average doctor dancing on TikTok? They don't and they want to hear what you have to say. And no. I think yeah. if you 100%. you really can impact not only students, but people who actually have nothing to do with medicine might listen to you and actually be inspired by what you do and interested. They just might be nosy. You know, what does it look like yeah, to be exactly. in the hospital? And these, exactly. What are these Definitely. students up to? <laughs> I know it's, it's it's why like these YouTube videos get crazy views. Mm-hmm. You know, junior doctors on BBC was crazy. Yep. Like medicine for a long time was a very elitist subject. Obviously, over the last few years, it's changed, and there are genuine a lot of people that will give an a limb to be where you are right now, Jess, or where Ams is. You know, that have struggled and grafted so hard, and you know, rejection after rejection, still never got the offer to study medicine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's curiosity, right? Yeah. It's what's life like as a medic what's the insights and i think it is a responsibility and a duty to show them you know this is our day-to-day these are the things we do to breed curiosity to show them um no i think it's incredible what you've done and um i'm, I'm just looking at the time and i realize you got another meeting so um we'll wrap it up soon mm-hmm. just to end it um what are your plans for the future? Are you thinking about relocating? Are you thinking about staying in medicine? Or, you know, there are some people that, you know, they graduate and they, they never set foot into hospital and they've, they've gone off to a consulting company. Um, what are your plans for the future? I know you're, you're still in the midst of your studying, but any insights? Yeah. Oh, gosh, it's such a hard question because, like, I'm barely <laughs> halfway through med school. But um, I definitely don't see myself not being a doctor um one thing i did realize mm. from doing this masters an academic career is absolutely not for me and i will not be doing any, <laughs> any afp any research any more like breaking my back to publish absolutely not unless it's something i'm very passionate about which is kind of where yeah, yeah that's kind of how i'm living my life from now on if it's it's a it's a particular thing i'm passionate about or something i really am into publishing is no bother but um academic um career probably not i definitely see myself being a bit more clinical being in the hospital um i'm interested in pediatrics um maybe pediatric surgery so i'm keeping my options open for that and i do see myself relocating Mm. so i might complete my junior doctor years and spend f3 deciding actually what country i want to go to and ticking off the checklist in the ebook about how to get there 
yeah um, um but i'm not i'm not closing that off and i think even if mm. i don't relocate permanently i will definitely be doing stints in other countries because i feel like there's just too much of the world to see and uh yeah i think mm, my first no, taste definitely. will be my elective so yeah yeah that'd be awesome i like the fact that you're very open you're pragmatic you're thinking about it and you haven't said you know what i'm going to become a pediatric surgeon at gosh yes right? exactly i'm sure there are some medics at king's we went to king's so we know how it is yeah so like being being open options is is very good and very refreshing um just it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show i know you continue to inspire and motivate a lot of people on social media and i hope you've done the same with our listeners um we do have listeners across the world so um i'm sure there's a lot of benefit we've had on this show um but thank you once again jess for coming on taking the time out Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.